Well, for those of you who don't know me, as Michael says, my name's John. And if this is your first time with us at Community Church uh, Online, a really warm welcome on this amazing Pentecost Sunday. Uh, if you were uh, online and caught Pete Gregg's uh, message about what we're celebrating today, this, this, this day in history when the Holy Spirit broke from eternity into our world and people were able to encounter the presence of God in a, a, a locked down room, perhaps much like the room you're in right now. Well, if he's done it once, he could do it again. I'm going to start by reading a passage of scripture from one of John's letters. Now, they're right at the end of the Bible, very near the last book. And I'm going to start reading from 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And this is what John writes. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression. So in us, we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus is now, so are we in the world. I'll read that again. All that Jesus is now, so are we in this world. It's great that we are loved. It's amazing that we are loved into life. But there's more. Because if you are a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, you are loved into God. And God, who is love, doesn't just live in us, but as John puts it, God lives through us. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, as Jen was uh, teaching us, our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. He was speaking of a reality, a value system, an experience of life in heaven that was to be understood, was to be seen and heard and known on the earth. And the way he described that was to use the phrase the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And the good news he came to talk about was that the kingdom had already arrived. Now, what's all this got to do with the topic that we're talking about this morning? That's how to practice the presence of God. Well, Paul writes in Romans, in Romans 14 verse 17... God's kingdom, you see, isn't about food and drink. <gasps> Sarah! Oh no! I'll put a, 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 a rather isn't only about food and drink, or isn't primarily about food and drink. 
but about justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And who doesn't love justice? It's not fair. It's certainly heard in our household. It's probably heard in your household too. And when we've been treated unfairly or when we've seen injustice in the world, we instinctively know that's not okay. And we're hardwired to want justice. What about peace? Well, if you Google the word peace, in about three quarters of a second, you will have one and a half billion hits. So the world is searching quite literally for peace. And joy, well, that just speaks for itself. Who doesn't love joy? In fact, I love it so much, it's one of my daughter's middle names. So what's not to love about the kingdom of God? And you can want the benefits of the kingdom of God without knowing the king. But remember how the passage we read from John's letter began. We have come into an intimate experience of God's love. If we want justice, if we want peace, if we want joy for ourselves and for the world around us, for our neighbours, for our street, for our town, for our economy, for our world, we will only find it in an intimate experience with God's love, with his experienced presence. Anything else is a fake and a forgery and will not last. Now I have a question for you and I've got people in the room so please join in and join in at home. Um, Who here can breathe underwater? Not not using a snorkel or an aqualung can go underwater or can breathe underwater. Anybody? Nobody? Well think about what happens when you go out on a cold day and you breathe out and you can see your breath. Why can you see your breath? Because you're breathing out water vapour. You're all right now breathing underwater and you didn't even know it (laughs) you're amazing now God is love so what do you think his presence is like remember this love isn't the romantic sentimental love from Hollywood and from popular songs this love is stronger than death and can bring dead people back to life This love can create stars and planets, can feed innumerable birds and fish, can set up complex interconnected networks in nature that can feed the planet and sustain life. As as Trevor said earlier on, literally, in this love, we live and move and have our being. Can you remember the last time when you wanted to do something good for somebody close to you? Be it something big or something small. Take a moment to recall that. Maybe it was something that you prayed about beforehand, maybe not. What did you do? 
And what was the outcome of that? What happened to the person? What happened to your connection with that person? And interestingly, your connection with God when you saw what you'd done. Now, maybe that was you on a really good day. But are you really that smart? Are you really that good? What if that was you experiencing an intimate expression of God's love? Partnering with God's presence and you didn't even know it. Now, if you can do this by accident, imagine what's possible if you practice. Until recently, I'd been practicing as a doctor. I had been practicing for 43 years, <laughs> still practicing, and one of the practices was to use this, a stethoscope. And if I gave it to you, chances are you'd be able to hear some sounds. But could you hear the sounds of my heart muscle contracting and relaxing? Could you hear the sounds of my heart valves opening and closing? And would you know what those sounds meant? I practiced and I learnt how to listen to people's hearts using this stethoscope. It took time. It wasn't something I could do once and then I knew what to do. It took regular, repeated practice. You can practice the presence of God, listening to his heart. And we live in a culture that is foreign to practicing the presence of God. For much of the church in the West, we have spiritual consumerism we talk about oh i enjoyed the worship as though it was me that you were worshiping (laughs) how often do we end the service and say i hope god enjoyed our worship this morning might not have done anything for me i didn't like the songs it was too loud it was too long but i hope god enjoyed the worship We live in a world of instant gratification, of one click, of same-day delivery, instant coffee. (laughs) And all this makes me the centre of the universe and panders to my ego. The counterintuitive nature of the Jesus apprentice life, to be with Jesus, to become like him and so do what he does, is to let go of everything we don't need anyway. It's the way of descent. It's the way of the cross. And there are a number of practices that assist along that way. I call them the practices of subtraction. Now, the good news is no maths is involved. How many of us pray... And when we pray, we pray when we want something from God or when we need something from God. And and that's good, but if that's all we do, maybe there's something more. Because we're praying the prayer Jesus taught, but we're starting in the middle. 
Give us today our daily bread. Bless me. Bless my projects. My will be done on earth. King David, who lived a long, long time ago, gives us another starting point for prayer. In one of the Psalms he wrote, in Psalm 5 and in verse 3, he wrote this. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and wait for your fire to fall in my heart. Thanksgiving is an offering to God for what he's done. Praise is an offering to God for who he is. Worship is when I become the offering. I'll say that again. Thanksgiving is an offering to God for something he's done. And that's great. Praise is an offering to God for an aspect of his character and his nature. And because he's an infinite God, he's infinitely good, we can praise him for eternity. And that's great. Worship is when I become the offering. David's, he's he's intentional in his practice. It's each sunrise. It's every morning. He's deliberate to become the offering, to lay down the pieces of his life, his strength and his struggle, the good, the bad and the ugly on God's altar. He's not holding anything back. And it's the intention that underpins his action. Prayer is much, much more than words. It's our intention to lay down the pieces of our life on the altar and wait. And not move from that space. Prayer is the aim to clear space. In our time, in our mind, in our hearts and our emotion. And remove all the clutter. The mental, the spiritual and emotional clutter. To have a sacred space, a set apart space, a holy space for God's presence. In us and on us. The gospel writer Matthew put it like this in chapter 6 verse 7 when you pray don't pile up a jumble heap a jumbled heap of words babble that's what the gentiles do that's what the pagans do they reckon the more they say the more likely they are to be heard prayer doesn't fill the space with my babble my ego my projects, my will. Many prayer practices that have their roots going back hundreds and thousands of years begin with stillness and solitude and silence. An intentionality to clear the space. And as the writer to Ecclesiastes put it, after all, God is in heaven, you're on the earth, so let your words be few. And one practice that many people know as centering prayer has no words at all. 
you simply sit in stillness and gaze into the face of God and he gazes back into your face. And over time, like David, at each sunrise, each morning and each evening, over weeks and months and years, you begin to let go of everything that you never needed anyway. Other prayer practices can help our spiritual formation, our being with Jesus to become like him, so to do what he does. And I'm going to invite us all now to spend a minute or so praying together, out loud. But here we're not praying to God, we're praying with God. Using words written thousands of years ago, Psalm 46, verse 10, just a line. And with each breath, we pray a line. So I'll pray it first, and then you can pray it in response. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still. Be still. Be. And this prayer and other short prayers can become like a screensaver for your heart. So in a moment where you're waiting for the kettle to boil, where you're cleaning your teeth, where you're on the toilet, where you're waiting at the traffic lights, you can turn your attention, your affections to Jesus and with each breath, practice his presence in awe and wonder and adoration. You see, just like you can all breathe underwater, we can all see in the dark. It takes time for our eyes to accommodate and accustom to the different conditions. The parts of our eyes that we use for seeing in the dark get shut down by bright light. And it takes about 20 minutes for those cells to wake up in our eyes to accommodate to see in the dark. It takes time for our spirit to wake up once all the distractions are removed. But with practice... We can do it. We might not get great revelation. We might not get great wisdom and visions and insights, but we will build a character that is more like Jesus. Practicing being fully present and attuned to God builds intimacy 
It creates a relational space that can hold great power and great favour and great influence that without that character can destroy us. In baseball, it's called having a million-dollar arm and a ten-cent head. You can have a pitcher who has great power but just doesn't know what to do with it. And looking at prayer as an intention to clear space for God's presence with stillness and solitude and silence begins to form what I'm going to call a still point. It's that place that is in your heart that even in the middle of drama and chaos, you can attach your heart to God's heart and can find that intimate connection to experience God's love. The still point is the place of surrender. Not my will be done, but yours. Be it according to your will. It's the place of attachment to God where we can let go of all our other attachments, our attachments to the past, our attachments to the future, to the need for significance and status, for the need for comfort and security. And we can be fully present to God who is fully love. The poet T.S. Eliot once wrote, except for the point, the still point, then there would be no dance. And there is only the dance. The still point is the place where our heart joins with the eternal dance of love between Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And perhaps you're very familiar with this way of praying. Perhaps it's all very new to you. But wherever you are, it's a great place to move on, but a really bad place to stop. Whilst there are other spiritual practices of subtraction that can help our practicing the presence of God that are worth looking into, such as fasting and giving and simplicity and Sabbath, there's one more that I just want to touch on before we finish this morning. Because you might think that if you're spending all this time sitting and doing nothing, how's anything going to get done? And things need to get done. They don't do themselves, do they, Sarah? John, in writing about Jesus in his gospel, wrote this. He did countless things that if they were all written down, forever would not be long enough for all the books to be written. So Jesus didn't have a problem with getting things done. And yet he was intentional more than anybody else in history to practice being present with his father. So here I'm talking about service as a practice of God's presence, not instead of. Our being intentionally aware of God in us and on us as we serve others. So how we serve is as important, if not more so, than what we do. There's a famous 17th century Parisian, again, wasn't famous during his life, only became famous after he died, called Brother Lawrence. And he was a lay brother in a Carmelite monastery and described experiencing God's presence as he did the washing 
as he cooked the food for the, the brothers, as he did the laundry. There's another person called Frank Laubach, who's called the Apostle to the Illiterate. And he wrote a small book while he was a missionary in the Philippines. And he wrote about the game with minutes, an experiment he did, where he aimed to be intentionally aware of God's presence with him for at least one second every minute he was awake. And to begin with, he might manage 20 minutes a day, but gradually over the year with practice, he was able to spend more and more of his day intentionally aware of God with him as he worked. And his work was to teach an illiterate tribe of Muslim, uh, uh, Muslims in the Philippines to translate their language into a written version, then to translate scripture and to teach them to read it. And after he died, his work continued and has affected 103 countries, 313 languages, and he, his work has taught millions of people around the world to read scripture, all from his game of minutes. So the question isn't about being with God or doing work for him. We cannot do anything outside of his presence in us and on us. And we have to learn how to do both and and unlearn either or. And this takes practice. Coming back to maybe you've already experienced the presence of God and you didn't even know it. What are you going to do from here? What are you going to change? What are you going to start doing to begin to be intentional each sunrise, each morning, each evening to practice silence and stillness and solitude, to be aware of God with you, Emmanuel, to lay the pieces of your life on his altar and wait for the fire to fall in your heart. We all have busy lives and there are no oughts or shoulds about this. What can you do? What changes do you need to make to clear space for God's presence with you? And who can you serve? Somebody who can't repay you, who is less powerful, less influential than you are. Can you give up seeing them as they are? Perhaps as everybody else sees them, maybe as they see themselves. And can you see them fully as God sees them in their fully formed Christ-like state, living out their God-ordained destiny? Can you serve them from your still place? Not for recognition or self-gratification, but because all Jesus is now, we are in this world. We are with Jesus to become like him, so to do what he does. Thank you for listening and goodbye. 